0: No,
1: I can last forever. Hello, and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I am honored that you're listening to us today. My prayer is that this podcast offers you some hope and a better understanding of what we are and who we are as Catholics. Our podcast has grown so much over the past three years, and we're always trying to record topics that are relevant, but also what you guys want to hear. If you want to send us any ideas or thoughts, you can always email us at podcast at arrayofhope.net. Also, if you're on Spotify mobile, swipe up while listening and take the Spotify exclusive poll. When I speak to people that are non-believers, agnostics, or even atheists, I ask them, would you believe that there's a God if I had proof? I go on to say, you know, there's actually more proof of God's existence than not. There's an artifact that is overwhelming in its proof. That is the Shroud of Turin. It is believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus. And through my own personal research, I have no doubt in my mind that it is the actual burial cloth of Jesus himself. There is an image of a tortured crucified man on this linen cloth that is to this day still unexplainable as to how it was put there. Our guest today is Myra Adams, and she is an expert on the Shroud of Taurin. And we're going to share and talk about this amazing relic on the podcast today. So sit back and relax, and welcome to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Doing pretty good, Mario. How are you? I'm doing great. Anything new? Yeah, I just got back from a trip uh, from Italy with my wife, uh, Sue, and well, my brother and, and my uh, sister-in-law. And it was just really great. I mean, every time I go to Italy, I just, uh, you know, I try to get into as many churches as I can. I mean, it's just a, a plethora of beautiful churches that are just I think, I think
2: I'm struggling with the capital sin right now, Envy.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, it, it was amazing. Um, one of the things that I'm dying to do, uh, we didn't get a chance to go see the Shroud. Uh, as you know, uh, the Shroud of Turin, uh, it's in Turin, Italy. I have a big devotion to the Shroud of Turin because uh, I believe, and many believe also, that it is the actual burial cloth of Jesus himself. Yes, I believe that. You know, uh, unfortunately, it's only displayed uh, every 10 years. So the next time it's displayed, I believe is. Don't hold me to it. I think it's 2025. Well, that's the year to go. Yeah, that's the year to go for (laughs) sure. I'm super pumped about our guest today, uh, Myra Adams, uh, as a specialist uh, on the Shroud of Turin. And she's doing really important work. She's creating a lot of attention to this beautiful relic uh, by creating uh, events uh, and teaching about what the Shroud is to the culture through um, presentations that she's giving. So I'm excited to have her on.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated by the shroud, believe it or not. In fact, when I was uh, in eighth grade, my dad gave me a book called A Doctor at Calvary, which is a book written by a medical doctor that investigated the wounds of the man on the shroud and described what happened to him in detail. So, I thought it may be a good thing for us to discuss today the passion of jesus what but mm. maybe we learn about what the passion was like from the image of the shroud and and reflect on what our Lord suffered for love of us and for the sake of our salvation. so that was my idea. What do you think good <laughs> i I think it's a great idea I mean you know i
1: i I think you know when I pray I often reflect on the passion and particularly uh you know, when I do the Rosary and it's the you know the sorrowful mysteries. I mean, the, the scourging the pillar is just really something to reflect on. It really sure. to, to see the what he endured is incredible.
2: Right. Well, you're in good company because the saints have said that there there may be nothing of greater spiritual benefit outside of the sacraments, the Mass, than meditating on the cross of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we learn two very important things when we meditate on the cross of our Lord. We learn, one, the depth of God's love for us, that he would endure such suffering for us. But we also learn about the severity of sin, what it took in order for us to be saved. Jesus, first in the agony in the garden, St. Luke's gospel says that he sweat blood that he was under such mental stress that that he actually sweat blood. This is actually a condition called hematidrosis. And it's been documented to have happened besides Jesus, where extreme anxiety and stress can cause the breaking of blood vessels in and around the area of the forehead, such that it looks like people are sweating blood. But... The stress and the loss of blood that starts with the sweating of blood, which, by the way, St. Luke would focus on because Luke was a doctor, is the first part of what is going on with Jesus with regards to the loss of blood, to being extremely exhausted. We all know how much like, extreme mental stress can exhaust you physically. So we have to kind of keep that in mind. Then Jesus is arrested. And the soldiers probably are roughing him up along the way to his trial. And we know that after, after he is quote unquote convicted as a blasphemer by the Sanhedrin, the gospels tell us that that the soldiers beat him up, that they punched him in the face. And this is even before he goes to Pilate. After he gets to Pilate, Pilate orders that he be flogged. Well, actually, it also says somewhere else that Jesus was scourged. Now, flogging and scourging are two different things. So, the tradition has always said that both happened to Jesus. Now, flogging is like a a whip made from a reed. So, it's a pliable reed that that would snap when it was swung just in the right way. Now, something very important to keep in mind is that These Roman soldiers, this was their business, inflicting pain. They knew what they were doing. And so they knew just how to swing this to impact the body in the most severe way. Now, what did they do to Jesus? They disrobed Jesus. One of the interesting things about the shroud is that the buttocks of the image in the shroud is covered with lacerations. This is an indication that the the person who was flogged and scourged was completely naked when it was happening. So they would put the person, in this case Jesus, they'd put on a pillar. There was like a pillar of stone. They'd shackle him to that so that he was standing slightly bent over. And then they would just take these reeds and wail him. And when they wailed him, it would be like a welt with like a bruise as if he was being whipped. And this is the first thing. So Jesus has these bruises and welts and probably slight uh, surface bleeding like all over his body. Likely what wound up happening was, as it's depicted in The Passion of the Christ, they probably unshackled one of his hands so that he would flip over and they could do it on his front. Crazy. But then it says that he was scourged now, scourging was a different thing. Scourging involved a weapon that had a handle with um, leather straps. And the end of these had like iron balls. And then all along the leather straps were probably hooks, pieces of broken bone, other things that could dig into the skin. And the way in which the this instrument was swung was such that It sort of like wrapped around the body and would catch onto the person. And then what they would do is pull skin right off. So this is brutal. I mean, we're talking about like not just like welts and bruises, we're talking about like whole chunks of skin being ripped off of Jesus's body. And again, they probably turned him over so that they could have at it on the front of him, too. Now, just imagine what this is like. According to Roman law, death by scourging was 40 lashes, which, of course, 40 is not 40 wounds because you're dealing with three straps or so and th- the mm-hmm. balls and the, and the hooks right. and everything else. But death by Roman law was 40 lashes. Tradition tells us that Jesus was scourged 39 times. By the way, just as a little aside, St. Paul says the same about himself later in the letters when he's talking about all the things that he's endured. So St. Paul was also scourged like within inches of death mm. as one of his sufferings. So you've got to imagine that Jesus, his body, it's, it's a bloodbath. So he's lost blood from the, the sweating blood. He's exhausted from the mental anguish. He's been beat up, Right. And then he's been flogged and scourged in this way. Well, now we know about the, the crowning of thorns that comes next. Now, this is an interesting thing about the shroud, believe it or not, because it's, it's part of what I think goes to show that it could very likely be the, the burial cloth of Jesus, which I believe it is and you believe it is. There's no documentation of anybody who was killed by crucifixion ever being crowned with thorns.
1: Interesting, And yet the image
2: on the shroud has a man who was crowned with thorns and the crowning with thorns, by the way, was not just around, like sometimes we would see the image of just like around yeah. the, the forehead and the back of the head. It was actually fully around his whole head, like a, a cap. And, and after they mocked him for being the King of the Jews, they wailed him over the head that drove this deep into his skull. And now we're not even up to the crucifixion yet. Yeah. Right? Now, the mystics say that Jesus carried the full cross. So, a lot of the visions of the mystics of the crucifixion indicate this. And in fact, I, I don't remember which mystic it is, but one of them, when Jesus appeared to her, it was a woman I know, uh, he shared that the most painful wound was the wound on his shoulder where the cross dug into him mm. as he carried it, which must've also been like aggravating prior wounds from the scourging. So you get to where he's gonna be crucified. And now this is also a matter of, of interest, I think, to people who, about the crucifixion. Some depictions of Jesus being crucified have the nails, which are probably like, you know, more like spikes going directly through his hands. That's unlikely, it's unlikely because the weight of him hanging would have torn. There's there's a sure. lot of flesh here. There's not a lot of bone structure, so it would have torn right through. However, sometimes you'll hear people say, "Oh, he got nailed through his wrists." That, by the way, isn't likely either. If he were nailed directly through his wrists, there. It would, there would have been too much bleeding so that he would have died too quickly. It would have hastened death. And that's not what the Romans wanted. They wanted this to, yeah. to last and be as excruciating, that we get that word, by the way, from mm-hmm. the word for cross, as possible. So what's likely? What's likely is they went in through the base of the hand. If you, if you were to press at the bottom of your thumb and hand area and feel around there right on that bump, what you'd, what you'd feel is that there's a nerve there, a pretty intense nerve that you can feel. And once you press it, you mm-hmm. can feel there's a whole lot of nerve structure here. Yeah. You can feel the pain go right up past your wrist and into your shoulder if you press it really good. Mm-hmm. Well, they were going after that nerve. Yeah. And what they probably did was put the nail in on an angle so that the 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 nail would come out the wrist on the other side. So that's why on the shroud you'll see the blood is on the back part of the wrist. I was just going to say that, yeah. So if you felt the back part of your wrist, there's a nice little hole in between your bones there. You feel that Mm -hmm. little hole? That's where the nail would go through, so it would hold you up real good. Yeah. So they wanted to go after the nerve, not have you rip through, not have you bleed out, and yet keep you up nice and secure. Only the Romans would devise devise such a thing. They
1: were experts at
2: this. Right yeah so this is how they nailed Jesus to the cross, stretching him as far as he could go, and then they would they would put one spike through yeah. both of his feet, yeah now of course, now you're going to have a lot more blood loss, so jesus is prob- Jesus couldn't carry his cross to Calvary because he kept falling, so he was probably already in shock, but now, of course, now it's in high gear now, uh. The cause of Jesus' death was probably cardiac and respiratory arrest. The respiratory arrest uh, sometimes is referred to as asphyxiation uh, due to hypovolemic and traumatic shock. The only way in which you could really breathe at all well um, when you were on the cross was to hoist yourself up by the, by the arms and push up on your feet to be able to expand your your rib cage and be able to breathe but of course doing this causes this unbelievable pain to shoot through your entire body because where all the pressure is going is right to the wounds in the hands and in the feet and so that's sending like like shock waves through your body of pain so you can't handle that for very long, so then you kind of rest and release, but now you can't breathe, right? And so Jesus' lungs are starting to fill up with fluid and all that sort of thing, and then eventually, only in three hours, he dies. When we look at the shroud, we can glean all these things about what our Lord suffered and, and how extreme the suffering was, and that's an incredibly important thing for us to reflect on. For those reasons that I mentioned before. We see the Lord's love for us. We see what he was willing to suffer for us. And yet we also see how serious sin is. And St. Paul says that when we sin, it's as if we're crucifying Jesus again. Mm -hmm. We should think about that in our meditation because I don't think we want to do that. We love Jesus. We don't want to be party to his crucifixion. We don't want to crucify him again by our sins, mm-hmm. and so reflecting I think on the the crucifixion of Jesus and the passion of Jesus can help us in that regard.
1: yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, you look at the shroud and I've heard some people say this this was this is like a massacre. I mean the wounds that he endured for us is just um breathtaking unbelievable
2: and you can see on the shroud by the way that his face is swollen like it's clear that he's been beat up yeah. he's been punched oh, yeah. in there's the nose face. is
1: broken Yep, there's yeah.
2: all yeah. swelling of yeah. the eyes yeah, yeah. so you see all that and it lines up perfectly, perfectly with the gospels yeah
3: so great reflection dave thank you so much all right peace all right peace hey want to help make this podcast better go to our survey url in the show notes and leave your mark on a reason for hope
4: Hey guys, what's going on? It's me, Alanis, with Who's That Saint, where I give you guys three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's That Saint? Starting off with clue number one this saint had a grueling, cruel death as he was skinned alive, and due to the nature of his martyrdom, he is attributed as the patron saint of tanners. Who's That Saint? clue number two this saint is actually listed in the bible as being one of the 12 apostles and is mentioned in the three synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke he also appears as one of the witnesses of the ascension in the book of acts so that should narrow it down to approximately 11 potential saints for you guys who's that saint And clue number three, this saint is also the patron saint of tailors, plasterers, leather workers, farmers, house painters, butchers, glove makers, and because of his efforts to spread Christianity in Armenia, he's also the patron saint of that country. Who's that saint? If you guys guessed Saint Bartholomew, you are correct. St. Bartholomew lived in the first century AD and was one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. He was introduced to Jesus through St. Philip and is also known as Nathaniel of Cana, mentioned in the Gospel of John. St. Bartholomew was reported to pray a 100 times by day and a 100 times by night and was said to have never gotten hungry or tired but was always joyous. While in India, he converted many in the region and was later martyred in Armenia by either decapitation or being skinned alive. St. Bartholomew, pray for us.
3: Hey, and welcome back to the Music Corner. AOH Music just dropped a new single called Homeland. Go and check it out wherever you stream music. We're often advised to begin with the end in mind when pursuing our goals. The goal of the Christian, as we all know, is to share in the eternal life Christ offers his beloved, to be united with the Lord at the heavenly wedding feast. Our new song, Homeland, professes just that, the overwhelming joy we can all discover in being disciples of Jesus, leading us to the promised land, our homeland in heaven.
1: Myra Adams is a media producer and religious political writer with numerous national credits. Since 1997, she has been keenly interested in the Shroud of Turin. Myra and her husband David were blessed to have seen the Shroud in Turin, Italy during its last two public exhibitions in 2010 and 2015. Myra was born and raised Jewish and came to the faith in Christ in 1975. She believes that the Shroud is physical evidence left by God to show proof of Christ's suffering and resurrection to those who need physical evidence in order to believe that Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and will come again. Myra Adams is also the founder of Sign From God, who is involved with the National Shroud of Turin exhibit in downtown Washington DC. We're gonna be telling you how you can support this initiative and receive a wonderful donor gift, a heavenly inspired devotional prayer oil called the Holy Shroud Fragrance. This blessed oil is infused with some of the burial fragrances mentioned in the Gospel accounts of the resurrection, which present the scents that would have been on the linen burial cloth of Jesus. Let's welcome Myra Adams. So Myra, how are you? So I'm excited to have you here with us on our podcast and our on our channel and whatnot. And uh, there's so many things I want to ask you. And and I love this subject that we're going to be talking about today, uh, the Shroud of Turin and the impact uh, that it should have on our culture and really informing our culture, this relic that uh, people, many people aren't aware of the immense uh grace and miracle that it is. And I'm excited to talk to you about that because I know that you're a leader. You're an expert in this field regarding the Shroud of Turin. So how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm having a great day. It's uh it's a beautiful day here in Florida where I live. I'm looking at the ocean right there and it's uh it's a beautiful blue, and, and here we are. It's a um, great day to be alive. It's a great day to, to be Catholic. It's a great day to love the Lord.
1: Amen. Uh, well, I'm kind of jealous. You're looking at the ocean. I'm looking at... Yeah, I am. It's
0: right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm looking at a dark room and a bunch of guys just running around here. So uh, uh, so I guess uh, the very first question is maybe you could inform our viewers what is the Shroud, you know, the Shroud of Turin.
0: Okay. Well, I could talk for... A minute, or I could talk for ten hours, but I'm going to give you the the abbreviated version, which is the Shroud of Turin is a 14 foot by three foot linen cloth that, as we speak at this moment, it is in a cathedral, St John the Baptist Cathedral in Turin, Italy. It is in a protective casing that is fireproof and waterproof and hopefully crime-proof and bomb-proof. But it exists. It has been in in Italy since 1578. And before that, it was, its history is, some believe it's totally the way it is. Others believe, well, it's, you know, not the exactly the way it is. But there's no dispute that in the mid-1300s uh, forward that we know exactly where it was. It's before, it's before the mid 1300s that there, there was a little bit of controversy as to where it was. But for right now, all you need to know is since 1578, it has been in Turin, Italy. And that is why it has the name, the Shroud of Turin. So that that's the first thing, why is it called that? there is a quick, interesting story. I will tell you though, it has never moved from Turin and no one ever knew that it moved until 2010 where they found some documents that during World War II, they believed that Hitler wanted to possess the shroud because he believed it was the burial cloth of Jesus. And he believed that it would give him power to win the war. They secretly moved it and it, it returned to Turin again, secretly in in 1946. So that's the only time, but that again, that did not come out until 2010, but the rest of the time it's been in Turin and in most likely, it it never moves. Hopefully, it will always stay in Turin. So that's that's where it is in the real physical sense. Um, in terms of what what I believe and millions believe that it is, it is the shroud that carried the burial shroud that covered Jesus that belonged to, as this is in the Bible, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a wealthy man, obtained a fine linen shroud that was supposed to be for him when he passed away and instead when he asked Pontius Pilate for the for the body of Jesus and was granted it he and Nicodemus wrapped Jesus with 75 pounds of spices and oils and they wrapped him in this shroud and then they they entombed him in the tomb so that's how it happened on uh, on that on that friday and that shroud, in fact, was, we, we know who it belonged to, and we believe because Joseph Aratheo was a rich man, that it was a fine mm-hmm. linen cloth. And people who understand textiles can back that up, that it has a herringbone weave that is a very fine, unusual, rare weave for that time. So the physical cloth itself is compatible with what the Bible says mm-hmm. about this burial shroud and I think that's that's very interesting because yeah. we'll get into more about sure. how the the Bible actually confirms many things that are that are on the shroud itself.
1: Well one of the things I want to uh, ask you is that so it was really discovered really in the 1800s in the sense that uh, a profound image appeared on it uh, when a photographer took a picture of it and then when he saw the negative image he was astounded by this human body that appeared on it. Maybe you could elaborate and share. You yes, know,
0: and, and I will, in fact, that is one of the greatest mysteries. I mean, the two of the greatest mysteries of the Shroud is first image formation. How did the image of a crucified man get on this linen cloth? The second greatest mystery is what you speak of. But one thing I do want to say is even though the Shroud was first photographed in 1898 and this great miracle came from it, it had been revered. And artwork points that out. There, there are countless pieces of artwork yeah. that show, um, you know, royalty and bishops holding up the shroud. And there are engravings because they used to have it on display. It was very revered because they did believe it was the, the sacred image, the 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 holy image. They they had names for it. They believed it wasn't called obviously then the shroud of Turin, but it had all these other names. That And they believed it was the holy shroud of, of, of Jesus. And as a result of that, it was used for coronations and weddings and, and all sorts of important events. So it was discovered in a modern sense in 1898 when the first photograph revealed a negative, it's called a photographic negative image, but really it's easier to say it's a positive image because what we found out, is that the shroud itself that you see with the naked eye is in fact a negative image. It's a scorch that when Jesus, we believe Jesus was resurrected and all this great power came up and that image was left on the shroud, um, what was left was a scorch. Yeah, And that scorch really is a negative we find out later because in 1898 when Secando Pia took the first photograph and we see today so much clearer, what the man of the shroud, quote unquote, endured and the marks of his torture and suffering are completely confirmed by the Gospels. In fact, we often call the the shroud the mirror of the Gospel. And some people say it's the fifth Gospel mm. because it literally is evidence of everything you read about in the Gospel, what Jesus endured is on the shroud, the marks that were left from his tormentors, are on the Shroud. And that is truly fascinating that we see clearer than ever on that positive image.
1: So members of other Christian denominations, such as the Anglicans and the Methodists, have also shown a devotion to the Shroud. But there are many people that have called it a forgery, that the image was in fact painted, right? But scientists, at least the ones I have read, and have examined the shroud, have found no evidence of any pigments or dyes on the cloth in sufficient amounts to explain the image. And what about the scorching that you had mentioned? Well, scientists have also concluded that, in fact, that it was a laser of light that created that image. So uh, according to research done by, um, I think his name was John Jackson in the 1970s, uh, he concluded that it was an intense burst Of a vacuum of ultraviolet radiation that produced the discoloration in the uppermost surface of the shroud's fibers. And this happened without scorching it. What actually happened also uh, was a perfect three-dimensional negative image of both the frontal and the dorsal parts of the body wrapped in it, which is pretty extraordinary if you think about it. Uh, I currently don't know of any natural cause for a human corpse producing ultraviolet radiation like this, so I believe this was a laser of light created by a flash of supernatural light, which really couldn't be a medieval forgery.
0: We do know that the uh, was called Sterp, Shroud of Turin Research Project, that was first started in 1978. It's the only, to this day, the only comprehensive scientific study of the shroud. It's a hands-on for 120 hours. And one of their greatest findings was that the shroud was not the product of an artist because they did not find any evidence whatsoever of any kind of dye or paint or any kind of substance that could have created an image that a quote unquote artist would have used. Right. They found absolutely no evidence of that, and there are also some interesting things about it. Is actually the that proves also that it couldn't have been created with human hands, is because an artist normally with a you know a brush or whatever technique they use, there is always going to be some part of the of the painting that's going to have a little bit. Thicker, some paint's going to be applied a little thicker somewhere than it is somewhere else. The shroud is completely uniform in its depth, which is impossible for a human to create uh, artwork that has absolutely no variation in the depth of the substance that was used. I mean, right there is pretty amazing. The thing, of course, there's no brush strokes of any right. kind. There's nothing that would indicate that any human artist could have created what we see today, that image.
1: Incredible. Um, and mm-hmm. l- let's talk about the findings of a blood that were on the shroud, right? That's right. Um, That's right. Uh, maybe you can share a little bit about the type of blood the uniqueness of the blood, I think it was positive, yes. AB, AB positive. AB
0: positive, and it, in fact, is, that is a rare blood type that's often associated with, the, it's male, it's male blood also, and it's often associated with uh, people that have roots in the in the Middle East. So that would also, you know, <laughs> right there, it tells you a little bit of something. But they found human blood, again, STERP, that 1978 Uh, research project found out things because that's literally since that day, the only complete scientific study that's ever been authorized and they found human blood. And they also, not just that they found human blood, they found human blood that had endured torture. They could see for under the microscope that the way that the, the blood appears, some of the clotting, some of the properties of the blood indicated great stress that when your body endures great torment and torture, sure, you know, blood Incredible. that's left can, can literally scientifically back up the fact that yes, you were went through some horrible event. And so that also, they found that in the blood too. But the fact that it was real human blood and they found it on all the spots where we know the Bible indicates where Jesus had wounds. For instance, the crown of thorns, although we, I love to say it's really not a crown of thorns, It's a cap of thorns because the shroud indicates that the the thorns went all the way to the back of his head. You can see on the shroud the blood marks on the front and the back of his head, and they go way deeper than what would be a crown. And they have done reproductions of this cap of thorns that match up with the blood stains that the man of the shroud endured on his head. And if you've ever been to Israel, you see these thorn bushes. I'm sure they have some scientific name besides thorn bush, but I'll just call it thorn bush. And they are these thorn needles that are literally about an inch long and they are so sharp. And we were on a tour one time and our tour guide just happened to point out, you see that bush over there? Go touch those thorns. That's the that's the kind of bush that grows in Jerusalem that they made that cap of thorns from, and I touched that bush and it was it was a needle, literally needle. so the pain that Jesus endured with that cap of thorns on his head is reflected in the shroud, and that's why you see all those blood stains from the cap of thorns. Of course, you also see the piercings, you see the side wound, you see you know, blood on the face, dripping from the crown of thorns. So there's blood all over the man of the shroud. And again, they always, the blood that you see in the marks of the shroud are always compatible with the Gospels and the suffering endured by our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that is such an important point to always emphasize. Uh,
1: The mic drop for me is... um that it's the same blood type uh, that is found in the Eucharistic miracles around the world. Uh, human DNA, uh, uh, heart uh, tissue, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Such as the miracle in the 8th century uh, in Luciano, Italy, right? So right, right. that was like, come on, how many, uh, c- coincidence? I don't think so. And and right. that was, when I found that out, uh, that was like, that's extraordinary. Yeah, um, but it's
0: consistent... Whenever there's been the Eucharist with blood on it, it's consistent. That's yeah. what's so amazing it, about it. It's amazing. It. Every time, it's always A, B I know. blood. You know, Mail, it's, A, it, B blood.
3: Hey, if you're enjoying this interview, be sure to check out the full video version on the Array of Hope channel. Subscribe for free at watch.arrayofhope.net then download the app by searching array of hope on your mobile device Apple TV or Roku <laughs> it, it's just it's just amazing that
1: um it, it, you know it, it, it seems that it, it's just the devout that and the people that are informed know about the shroud of torn and and if people really dove in to the the science that they still can't prove right the coincidences mm-hmm. that are not coincidences people would I think their faith would be increased and more people would be believers, you know? Um, yes. So maybe we, you could share a little bit about your work and what you're trying to 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 um, really inform the culture, inform the church about the importance of the Shroud and, and how you're trying to do that.
0: Well, thank you for asking that question. Uh, one thing I'd just like to say first is the idea that the Shroud of Turin could in fact be the image of Jesus Christ, the nanosecond before he was resurrected, freaks people out. Okay, even if you, even if you are someone who totally believes in Jesus, say, "Oh, I don't need the shroud. I don't need to believe in the shroud for my faith." Or people that have no faith say, "Oh, how? That's impossible. There's, there's no way." Yeah. So the fact that we have all this preponderance of scientific evidence that that says. This could be nothing but Jesus. There's it nothing else explains why that image is on there that and all its marks so perfectly fit the man of the shroud that we know depicted in the Bible. But you're always going to have that controversy because of who potentially we believe it is. So that, that's mm. really important right there that to understand that part of it. But what we're doing, my group is called the National Shroud of Turin Exhibit.org. Mm. And we are a project of our first mission called Sign From God. That's our 501c3, signfromgod.org. And we started in 2017 and interested the Museum of the Bible in doing what they did last year, a Shroud of turned exhibit. So that was our group, signfromgod.org, that got the Museum of the Bible to do that. The Museum of the Bible had a very successful exhibit. It ended in July 31st, 2022. And then they decided they didn't want to have a permanent exhibit. So that's when our group took the reins from there and said, okay, we wanna have a permanent Shroud exhibit in Washington, D.C. And so that is our goal. We started in December and uh, within a few weeks, we had the first place, what we call our first, I call it a mini exhibit. Our first our first exhibit is a life-size replica of the Shroud of Turin. And it, dis- it is displayed at this moment And it will be at least six months, maybe even longer, at the Catholic Information Center at 1501 K Street in Washington, D.C. And that's where it lives right now, this replica that is as life-size as anything you'd ever see when the shroud does go on display again in 2025. Hopefully it will go. hasn't been officially announced. But when it does go on display again and you go see it in Turin, what you see today at the at the Catholic Information Center will look very similar. So you can save your airfare and go to Washington and see the, uh, see the, the replica. It was made by the folks in Turin that are the official caretakers of the Shroud. Wow. They, they do what's called, the, the I, I kind of joke, the care and feeding of the Shroud. They make sure that, that the, the scientific method in which they preserve the Shroud is in fact intact, and that nothing is wrong with the way it is in its casing, and so they are the ones that oversee the shroud, and they are the ones that produced the replica that was then gifted to the Museum of the Bible. Museum of the Bible gifted it to my group, National shroud, Exhibit.org, for display at the Catholic Information Center. So it was four groups got involved, and that's our first exhibit, and we're thrilled. We had a wonderful grand opening, March 28th, uh, we actually had a Supreme Court Justice attend in the front row. That was pretty wonderful. That's awesome. And it was a wonderful event, and we got a lot of Catholic press from it. And and now uh, the goal, as it's always been, is to parlay that first exhibit at, at Catholic Information Center and now find space in Washington, D.C. to have a permanent Shrouded Turin exhibit. Museum of the Bible's exhibit showed us that there is great interest and having a permanent shroud exhibit. And there were 80,000 people that went through the Museum of the Bible's exhibit without any marketing or advertising. Just word of mouth and and some press that they got that we helped generate. And that gave us the idea that, okay, there is definitely a need in the city of great museums, Mm. the fact that we are gonna have a permanent shroud or turn exhibit. It will change lives and change hearts and we know that the Lord is is going to make it happen. We only need to raise two, about $2 million to make it oh. happen and find the space that we need and to build out what will be this very high tech, uh, very welcoming, immersive exhibit that is going to, as I said, it, it's gonna be so fascinating to people. People that have no faith are going to be fascinated by it because the shroud is the world's greatest mystery. And that, in fact, is the name that we're thinking of about to name the exhibit, to Turin World's Greatest Mystery. Because it is. It, it is, in fact, the most studied artifact in the world. Because science cannot figure out the mysteries that are contained within that image, how it got there, how it photographed as a positive how the blood sits on top and doesn't penetrate. How how I'm sorry. The image doesn't doesn't penetrate the cloth. The blood penetrates the cloth. You think about what happened on Good Friday. Jesus was all bloodied. He's wrapped in the shroud. The blood on his body seeps through the cloth. But on Easter Sunday, that great force that caused that image to be formed only sits the first two microfibers of the cloth. It does not penetrate the cloth, but the blood does penetrate the cloth. So scientists often say blood first, second. And the image itself does not appear where the blood was. Incredible. So yeah, I mean, so that's the kind of thing. So there's so many amazing mysteries. And And that, I think, is what fascinates people that have, even though they may not have have any faith in Jesus, are still fascinated by the shroud because it's unexplainable. And modern science has no explanation. And there's a whole list of mysteries. I I could tell you this. There's pollen all over the shroud. And there's been books written about this some of that pollen only grows in Jerusalem in the spring. Yeah. You know, there's dust they have found on the knees of the man in the shroud that they know come from where the Damascus gate is, one of the places where they believe he, he fell. There's so many scientific so much scientific evidence that says how could this be anything but the burial shroud of Jesus? And we want to have that into our museum and have people understand that this this cloth will change your life if you're open to it. But it is going to be, it's going to have a lot of faith because you can't have an exhibit about the cloth without talking about the Gospels. So it is going to have a faith component to it.
1: That's wonderful. That's great.
0: But we want to have it be a, it's secular in the sense that we don't want to say, oh, this is for Catholics or this is only for evangelicals. This has to be, in order for this exhibit to be successful and to be able to change hearts, and minds. It has to be welcoming and intimidating for those who don't have faith. It happened yeah. to be in Washington, maybe they're seeing the Air and Space Museum or other museums and they hear about this museum and they go, well, let's go check that out. Uh, you know, how silly yeah. is that? You, you know, that's the kind of you have to prepare for every every kind of attitude. But our story is the greatest story in the world. And I believe that it is in fact the shadow is in fact evidence. Yeah. of that greatest story. So that's that's our Amen.
1: goal. That's that's awesome. You know, when I um when I pray the rosary, particularly on the sorrowful mysteries uh mm-hmm. in the second decade, you know, where um Jesus is tortured at the pillar, um mm-hmm. there's two images I think of uh I think of the Passion of the Christ, uh, Mel Gibson's movie, no, Gibson, and I th- and Gibson. I think of the shroud uh mm-hmm. because when I look at the shroud, full body um, I, I, I can't even comprehend the amount of pain and suffering that man, mm-hmm. which we all believe here is to be Jesus endured for us. Mm-hmm. It's just uncomprehendable. So my question to you is that, um, you, you said that it, it, it's very biblical. The shroud is very biblical and it really conveys and articulates and affirms the things that we've read in the Bible. Um, so I would think that this display, this thing that you're going to be putting together, um, is twofold i mean uh you want to teach you want to share the the immense uh beauty uh, and the reality of this mystery to the world right mm-hmm. and then hopefully we want to evangelize right we want to we want to invoke uh we want to invoke exactly a question right. in someone's heart saying maybe this is real, maybe this guy jesus who walked the earth was for real you know, mm-hmm. so maybe you could share the the long-term vision of what you're trying to do.
0: Well, uh, thank you for saying that, because Sign From God, which is our 501c3, signfromgod.org, we believe the Shroud is a sign from God. The mission of Sign From God was Shroud of Turin education, mm. because we believe there's so much misconception about the Shroud, yeah. and most of that stems from the 1988 carbon dating, which I don't even want to talk about. It's been so debunked many decades now but that is what colored people's opinion of the shroud
1: it's like when when something happens they only remember what happened and not the re, the what the how they disproved the the mistake right you know and and that's still so this is a great opportunity obviously the 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 uh carbo one uh detection was on the edges of the shroud right and yes the you very
0: could, edges that were held up when it was, was talked about earlier how it was on display oftentimes by royalty there were literally artwork that shows it being held up right at the spot and the corners where they took one little piece and cut that one piece into three little pieces which made absolutely no sense
1: plus <laughs> plus those edges were replaced because they believe
0: that the that they there there was a study that believed that the chemical makeup of the of the shroud, uh, little section that they cut off and sent to three different labs, was a different chemical makeup than what's in the interior of the shroud. But but the point is yeah. is that if people haven't even heard of the shroud, right? They'll say, "Oh, but isn't that fake?" That's right. Which of course
1: well, that's what tra- crazy. That's what I was trying so to say. So we have
0: to go from that to educating people about the Shroud, which is the most, that was our mission, that's still our mission. And through the the Museum of uh, Shroud of Turin exhibit, we hope that people will, in fact, come away with a greater understanding of the mysteries and the potential that they can be interested in the Gospels, understand that everything you read in the Gospels is, in fact, displayed right in front of your eyes on the shroud of Turin. So the correlation between the gospels and what's on the shroud, it literally is is evidence. It's it's documented evidence mm. of what we read about the suffering because what you mentioned earlier about how Jesus was scourged at the pillar. Do you I have heard this. Now whether it's true or not, but I've actually heard it several times that Mel Gibson, he believed in the shroud and he he actually base that scene on how many scourge marks, over 100 scourge marks, appear on the shroud. And you can see them clearer in that positive image that was discovered in 1898. You can see all the little marks. If you look at that a replica of the positive image and you see marks all over his hands, all over his torso, all over his legs, all over his back, those are scourge marks that Mm -hmm. you see clear as day and so that image that horrific image in that movie is is truly what he did in fact endure mel gibson had to do a director's recut when that first came out the first weekend that came out people were so horrified Mm. by how long that scene went on for he literally had to cut it down because people couldn't it's like can you handle the truth well the truth is hard to take when Mm. you realize. Jesus, if he was a normal person, he would have died right there. You remember in the Bible, its number of scourges was only thirty-nine, be- because a human would, you know, die through you know bleeding or trauma. If there were any more scourges than thirty-nine, that number is significant in the Bible. They always mention, or maybe it's forty, but either thirty-nine or forty, that number of scourges is is mentioned. Well, Jesus obviously had more than that. And the fact he survived that, you know, and he shouldn't have survived it, but he did. And that's the reason, of course, why he died on the cross before the two thieves that were next to him because he had suffered so much trauma. Of course, crucifixion is supposed to be a long, slow, painful death. But because he had undergone such trauma, he died quicker. And what happened? They didn't have to break his legs to take the other two men down from the cross because Sabbath was coming. They had, to, they had to kill them, then take their bodies down. So they broke their legs so they couldn't push themselves up to breathe because crucifixion, you die by asphyxiation. Yeah. They didn't have to break Jesus's bones. So why is that significant? Because as you know, the Bible, one of the messianic prophecies, is that Jesus would have the the mess the Messiah would have no broken bones. Right. So that scourging, in fact, helped make that that messianic prophecy come true.
1: Yeah. Well, this is uh this is amazing. This is uh, I'm so uh, I'm so glad you're doing this. I remember when we first met. Uh, you know, when I was talking to you about it and. I think your vigor and your excitement really is is wonderful, and I think we really need to get this message out. Um, so, how how can we help? You had said you need to raise some money to to build. Yes, this.
0: we do. Uh, we're going to be having a capital, an official capital campaign, uh, sometime very soon. Once we know, once we have identified the actual space uh, where we're going to be. In fact, this weekend we were up in Washington and we were looking at some space, and we found some space. Now we have to just see if it's. It's going to work for us if the, the owner of the building will uh, cooperate with us. Uh, but once we have the space identified, uh, then we're going to write up the entire plan and uh, and circulate it. But we believe we need about $2 million. And of course, what, somebody asked me this over the weekend. They said, well, are you going to charge to get into the exhibit? And I don't want to have to charge. Uh, if we find a, a major donor that can underwrite our, our effort and, and in perpetuity, then then we don't have to charge. But if we feel like you know we really do need a cash flow, um, you know we will have to charge, and hopefully it'll be no more than twenty dollars, you know maybe ten at the most. But uh, we don't really want to have to charge. We don't want any reason for somebody who wants to see this exhibit not to come in and see it. But you can go to our website. Um, there's, as I said, there's two websites. They both go to the same. Um, the easiest one to remember is Sign from God, just how it's spelled. Sign from God.org. Go to the donate button, or you can go to NationalShroudOfTurinExhibit.org. And if you click on that, you'll also see a special premium we have going on right now. That if you uh, donate $100, you will receive this. Uh, in fact, I have it right here this beautiful fragrance it's called comes in this box the holy shroud fragrance and it is in fact developed by supporters of ours the Worthies, that own abba oil it's a christian company that that has their products made in israel all sorts of oils and fragrances it has been very successful around for over 20 years and they developed the holy shroud fragrance they believe in the shroud and the fragrance is developed from what we talked about earlier when uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were they were anointing Jesus' body with myrrh and frankincense and oils and nard this is formulated in Israel based on that same those fragrances that Jesus would have been anointed with and that's what makes it so it makes it so special and it's beautifully packaged and and there's a little flyer inside that explains um, explains the shroud, but this product is, is just an incredible product. I, I put it on all the time. I love it so much. And it's, it's either male or female. It's not necessarily a female fragrance. Um, but anyway, if you, if you, if you donate a hundred dollars, you get this uh, as part of your Gift for us, and we thank that Roger Kentworthy and his wife Greer, for helping support our effort. They they truly believe that the shroud is in fact the burial cloth of Jesus, yeah, and they're yeah. doing everything they can to make our exhibit happen. And we're very thankful to them.
1: Amen. Yeah, uh, I'd met them also, and I, I purchased a couple of those oils and had given them out to some of my friends as mm-hmm. gifts, and they love it. I mean, it's just uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, it, 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 and, and of course we, we I, th- I think we purchased them blessed blessed already or you can get it blessed uh Mm -hmm. and it's really profound to think that that is as close as we can understand that those are the oils that jesus was buried in you know it's 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 pretty it's pretty impactful you know it's pretty beautiful to think about that and what a beautiful way to uh to to really Express your faith, you know, and and, and right. share your faith. And they
0: did such great research. I mean, they this just didn't say one day, oh, let's do this. No, no, no. They they believe they were called by God to do this. It's a whole series of events. They'll tell you how this all came it's about. Awesome. And the research that went into formulating the Holy Shroud fragrance. was, yeah. if you're going to if you're going to sell something and call it the Holy Shroud fragrance,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: you better be sure.
1: Better be sure. Yeah,
0: that what you're doing. Is in fact as close to what Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea used when they were anointing Jesus as they were wrapping him in the shroud. So, and I believe the Kentworthies did that because when you smell this, it has a heavenly fragrance to it that Amen. is very uplifting and very Amen. calming.
1: So. Well, that's great.' We'll, we'll put all this stuff in the show notes so people can access it and uh, be able to link immediately to it. But uh, you know, Myra, thank you so much for your time and and just sharing uh, this this beautiful vision, this this mission. Uh, I think it's so worth the efforts that you're making because it'll affect millions of lives, we hope, right? Uh, and, and if we could transform someone's heart uh, toward God, it, it's a win all the way around. so Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it all right god bless you god
0: bless you
1: too so glad you joined us today for this episode i want to remind you please get the word out to as many people as possible the more people know the greater we can have an effect and spread the message of christ and his church please comment on the comment section and give us an endorsement this really helps get the message out we also ask you that you prayerfully consider going to our donation page and help us in our work Our partnership with you will allow us to continue to create these podcasts. So just go to arrayofhope.org. Also join us on social media where we keep and stay engaged with you, sharing our faith through our videos, our music, and our daily reflections. We also do the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day on Instagram at 3 p.m. Please join us. This is a great way to pray together and express our faith as the Universal Church. Please engage with our sponsors. They have been vetted here at Array of Hope, and you can directly help share in the efforts of the Universal Church in spreading the gospel. So thanks for joining us today, and there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace.